Welcome, everyone. This is the Bumcast. I am your host, HBIC, the head bum in charge, along with Baloney, the Southside bum, and we're welcoming him back for, I believe, the third or fourth time, Cousin John. Welcome yeah, back. Thanks for, thank, oh, wait, hold, hold on, guys. I'm just getting a report. Uh, Tom Ricketts has traded me to a different <laughs> podcast for two Paco's Tacos. <laughs> That's a good deal. I, I take the Paco's Tacos. And, and John is coming to us live from the AMC Movie Theater. <laughs> oh, if you check out the Zoom, you'll see he's he's probably watching the new Black Widow movie right now or Fast and Furious doing the podcast as well. But guys, what a fucking week in Chicago sports here. I mean, this is this is about as insane of a week as you get after being pretty quiet for the last couple of weeks. I mean, the Bulls are back. The Hawks are back. The Bears are back. The Sox are back. The Cubs not lovable so, losers are back that's, yeah <laughs> Cubs are back to to their early 2000 um performances there so I don't know where you guys want to start I mean I guess we can start with some with some basketball talk because NBA free agency opened up today and it 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 did disappoint I mean for once I can say that free agency opened and Bulls fans can rejoice they can you know, walk around with a little pep in their step because they got Lonzo Ball for four years. They got Alex Caruso, who's a lockdown defender and a good three-point shooter. The Bulls last week in the NBA draft drafted Io Johnny Finish's last. There you go. Um, yeah, so it's definitely a good time to be a Bulls fan. And it, I heard they got might another might have another sign and trade coming with for Lori, maybe going to San Antonio here. That's the rumor, but. Bulls are back, baby, and I'm loving it. Yeah, this came out of the blue, right? I mean, we talked about this on the podcast previously. Um, we had high hopes for um, Arturis, AK as I call him. But um, it took a little bit because obviously it was his first year here, and it seems like he's delivering. Um, I know Lonzo Ball and the whole Ball family come with a little bit of baggage, but, I mean, the kid can play, I, at least in my opinion. I like it. I like the move. I saw some people grumbling on Twitter, but realistically, I just like that they're out there trying to do something to better the team. So, um, yeah, like you said, Jason, Alex Caruso, lockdown defender, um, 40% um, three-point shooter. Uh, this is interesting what um, what it seems like they're moving on from Kobe White, right? These, these moves kind of indicate that Kobe White is, is on his way out, which is a shame because I thought I had high hopes for him, but I can't deny that the Bulls are trying to make themselves better. And at least now with the starting lineup, they're, they're at least a playoff team. So my uh, one question is, is Kobe White in his final year of his rookie deal? No, no. no. He's, he's got two years left. Yeah. Two years left. Okay. So um, I guess, yeah, unless you want to find someone who's going to trade for him. He's probably going to be around for a while, probably maybe your sixth man off the bench, I'm guessing. Um, but real quick before I get your other two guys' thoughts here, final deal that the that went down today was Lonzo Ball, four years, $85 million. It was a sign-and-trade with the New Orleans. Um, they sent Thomas uh, Staderansky and Garrett Temple in a second-round pick for a sign-and-trade. So I think that's a pretty good deal because, I mean, Bulls are pretty much right, what I read right now over the cap because of Lori's uh restricted contract right now restricted free agency so i mean they at this point they kind of have to move lori to to if they want to 
make a couple more moves here in free agency. Yeah, I, I love this move. I mean, I honestly, you know, as a Bulls fan growing up in the 90s, I think we all kind of agree that we understand this is going to be a different era. This is going to be the dominating Bulls of the 90s that we were used to. But after years and years of guard packs just trashing this team and just just trying to make pieces fit where they didn't, I think this actually was a great move. Lonzo's everything that the Bulls needed. I think that the Bulls are everything that Lonzo needed. I, this was probably the most perfect marriage in free agency that there could be in basketball this year. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of thinking through like how he balances Zach Levine. He can actually mm-hmm. let, allow Zach Levine to do what he does best, and that's volume score. Um, and Kobe White, I don't think they're going to trade him. I think he's just going to come off the bench and he's going to be a six man. And I think that's probably what suits him best. He's not a point guard. I think they figure that out. Um, and I think that they understand that, um, you know, they, they needed an actual point guard who could dish the ball. Lonzo can do that. He can play, make, he can defend. He's going to take your top score every game. Um, and he's also going to allow Zach to just play off the ball. Yes. Good, all good stuff right there. Johnny, what's give us a sky report on AO, IO, whatever you want to, how you say his name. Um, I, I think everybody actually was asking me about the the pick. Um, obviously, because I'm a huge Illini fan, I've seen him since his freshman year. Um, I think they got a steal. Uh, he was projected to be around maybe top 20, 30th type pick, uh, but everybody was saying around 20th. Um, that's how pretty big or deep this um a lot of the college players that came out um going to the nba that, that's how deep this this uh this class was um he's not really flashy but he's definitely a great shooter um he's a dude's ice veins i mean he's not going to be buckled under pressure um real good teammates um obviously he's from chicago another chicago native coming to the bulls so every, everybody loves that as well too um so I'm 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 happy for him. Like like I said, I, I I didn't expect him to drop to the Bulls, but um definitely a lot of steals um in the later rounds, and I'm I'm glad he's coming to the Bulls. Yeah, no, that's awesome to hear. Um, so what's the next move for the Bulls? Do you think there's any other free agent targets that they go for? Or is it just more maybe sign and trade Laurie and then pick up some? Well, there's still that guys. big rumor out. There's a big rumor out that they're interested in Demar Derozan. And the Knicks are as well. But the first rumor I saw was that the Bulls are si- are trying to to pull the trigger on their DeMar, their DeMar DeRozan. And if that happens, then like then it's time to celebrate because then we would have a starting five of Lonzo, Zach, DeMar DeRozan, Pat Williams, and Nikola Vujicic. And we've seen a team that's a strong starting five. We saw the um, Phoenix Suns. Um, do what they did, get all the way to the final with a lesser team than that. Um, and I know we're in the East, but that's that's just a strong starting five. And even if we don't get DeMar DeRozan, just starting Lonzo, Zach, Pat Williams, and Nikola, um, that's a solid, solid, solid starting lineup. Yeah. And I think no matter if they get DeMar, and I love that rumor, DeMar, I hear it, DeMar, I like it. Ah, uh, so funny. <laughs> uh if they get him great, I think he'd be 
a solid mid-range shooter. And I think, you know, obviously like all sports, it's a copycat league. We saw a lot of mid-range, you know, game in the finals this year. We saw Milwaukee and Phoenix play mid-range game, which has kind of like gone the opposite way of where this league is going very three-point heavy. Um, He's not a great defender though. He's not going to be a great three-point shooter, but I think that what he can do is he can spread the offense out. He can spread the perimeter because Lonzo can shoot threes. He's shooting at a 42% clip, which is his career high this past year. Zach Levine, we know, can shoot it from outside with hands in his face. So I think he'd be a nice mid-range player if they can get him. But I think regardless if they do or not, they do have to dump Laurie's contract. He's going to be making over $20 million. It's not going to fit within the cap. They still need wing help, and they still need a backup center because the only center they have is Nikola. So they, they definitely need um, a little bit more wing help and some more uh, – center depth. So they're going to have to move Laurie no matter what. And hopefully it's for someone like DeMar, but if it's not, I think, you know, to Peter's point, I mean, they're, they're, they've got a solid starting five that I think, you know, this big, their big three, if you want to call it their big three, I think could go up with most, um, most mid range big threes in, in the East. I mean, they're not gonna, they're not going to contend against like Philly or Milwaukee, but I think they can give Atlanta a tough time. You know, I think they can give, um, you know, New York a tough time. So I think that's kind of where they're going to be. I think they, with this lineup constructed as is, they could be a five or six seed and, and be pretty good. Yeah. You know, what's you know, what's crazy is that like, well, like what, a couple of years ago, we saw the picks that Gar Pax made with Lori and Kobe White. And we're all like, okay, maybe they're starting to actually get it right this time and make some, some good picks. And then here we are now 2021 saying, who, who we, who, who wants them? <laughs> what can we get back for these guys? It's, it's, it's pretty crazy the way that, that just that whole regime, even when we thought they were doing something semi-decent, it just turns out will just be fl- a face plant. So, it, it, and one more time, shout out AK and Mark Eversley, because in a craziest week of sports in Chicago that I can remember, we started off the podcast talking bulls. So good on them, man. Yeah. And if I'm Zach Levine right now, all I'm doing over in Tokyo is you want to come to Chicago? You want to come to Chicago? You want to come to <laughs> yes. Chicago? Like grease those fucking palms, my man. Like you got KD and Devin Booker over there and all them. Let do something, man. Like get some of those. That's how, that's how the, the whole Miami heat got started when they were playing together. Well, yeah. well think about this though. I mean, that, that's a great point though, because in years past decades past, like we're not pulling in those free agents at all. Like none of the top free agents and Lonzo ball was considered one of the top free agents on the market. And not only were they able to pull it off, but he wanted to play here. He wanted to come to Chicago. And a lot of it was coming because they, he did his research. He asked his agent, you know, he went through back channels. He wanted to learn about the culture that the bulls are creating. And, you know, again, to Peter's point, like upper management has built a much better culture where players want to play here now. And that's, that's a good sign. And I think that's where it's different from where it was when we were hopeful about Lori, we were hopeful about Kobe or, you know, these picks, we were kind of trying to force that, um, that hopefulness because we're just like, you know, they've got to hit sooner or later, right. They've got to hit on some of these picks and they notoriously didn't. So I think that's just part of us being Chicago fans. You know, you, you want to hope for the best, you know, and, and try not to be too pessimistic because that just makes us, New York fans or Philly fans, you know, if we were that way. Um, but I think uh, they did a good job of really, they're just creating this culture now. And I think we've got a free agent that again, wanted to play here, 
and they were actually able to go out and get this person. So I'm, I'm impressed right now. And I'm definitely hopeful. Could, could you imagine if the bulls actually <clears throat> lost those last couple games of the regular season and we were able to get that top four pick protect, protected, man, we'd be in a much happier place right now if we had number four overall pick, but I mean, I guess we can't beggars can't be choosers. So either way, take, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah let's say at least, we can get know. right now. Everything seems like it's on the up and up, but you know, they had, they had to win that last game and, but well, well in the past then, now, Jason, uh, one last thing before you move on, we got an open invite for LeVar ball, right? If yeah, he wants it, to be yeah, a Chicago, if, if he wants to be a Chicago sports bum, LeVar bum, LeVar ball is welcome on the <laughs> bum cast. Um, I will say, can we can we just go back to hating to amplifying our hatred for the Lakers and LeBron again? I mean, this fucking guy gets bumped from the playoffs in the first round. Now he has to get Dwight Howard and Russ to to come. Can you come play with me? I didn't win a championship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know him how that seems super teams. Who cares? Yeah. Fuck I, him and his super teams. The motherfucker can't win anything without having three other guys around him who can who can carry his. No, whatever. It's you not speak. even his team anymore. It's AD's team. And yeah, that it is dude's AD's made it. That dude's made a glass. You know, he's he's not going to be able to stay healthy a whole year. And you know how you defend Russell Westbrook? You just stay in front of him and force him to shoot. Yeah, that's it. The dude can't shoot. He's a point guard who can't shoot. Yeah, and new new Space Jam sucked too. It was awful. I didn't see it, but I heard the reviews were pretty terrible on it. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste my money on that. Maybe wait till it comes on HBO or something. What's also for me being almost 40, I kind of just I kind of I know they're all all the original guys are passed away, but I can tell like the new voices aren't the difference between the new voices and it just it doesn't seem the same for me with like Bugs and Daffy and all of them. I tried watching like the new Looney Tunes on HBO, those those cartoons that dropped and it just I mean it's it's still Looney Tunes, but you can just tell with those voices. It doesn't I don't know, it doesn't click for me for some reason. Damn. I thought we were going after LeBron. You're going after the whole Looney Tunes. <laughs> they sold out to LeBron. Tough. Should yeah. should say loyal to to MJ. But also, um, I don't know if you heard this. There's a rumor that the sequel for space for the Space Jam is going to be with the Rock, and it's going to be like Space Slam. I'm down for that. Anything the Rock makes is good. Yeah. All right, gents. What what do we want to do next? We want to do some bears. We want to do some some hawks here. I mean, he's let's got, go. Let's go hawks. Let's do some hawks. Let's, do some, okay. hawks. let's right. do some hawks. Let's let's, let's keep, go. Let's go. Let's keep conventional today. We'll going. do. I like basketball this. and hockey. You know, like we never really start off the podcast without positivity. Without some train. baseball or or some or some football here. All right, hawks. Hawks are back. I mean, they might not be playoff ready yet but they're sure as hell gonna make some fun games this year we got canes canes there we got kirby doc back now we got taves looks like he's coming back now Siebs, thank you for everything you know you wanted to you know you could you you, you couldn't really play you're on the long-term injured list um so he's he got traded his contract got traded but they bring in mark anthony flory uh they got tyler johnson jake mccabe Really, really seems like with Tyler Johnson, good third center, if I'm not mistaken, kind of holding our breath there on on Flurry. Like, it looks like John. he's gonna play. 
John, John went. I think there's motion detectors and <laughs> went off. So hold on. We'll find him. There, there he, he is. The movie, the movie must have ended on John. Get the hell out. All right. So before before we go to each and every subject, we just got to get John to do some jumping jacks and stuff like that. Right, exactly. So the motion sensors go yeah, off. Every every 10 minutes, you gotta you gotta make a little do some do some exercises here. Um so one reason why we got you on, John, we know you're a big hockey guy, so I want you to, you know, break down all the moves for us. Thank God we got, you know, Mark Anthony decided he's going to play. He's not retiring. So let's. Mark Anthony. Mark Andre Fleury. James. Sorry, Mark Anthony. Uh, Mark, as soon as you Mark said Anthony Mark Anthony, is, I started no, thinking of the Puerto singer. Rican singer. I'm like, Mark this guy's is, I, like, I like Mark Anthony. I love, I love Mark, Mark Anthony. I love Mark Anthony. He would make a shitty hockey player. <laughs> like four foot seven. Exactly. All right. Break yeah. it down for us. All right, cool. So I am, I'm, I'm excited. I think they've made a lot of good moves. Um, I can tell you, it almost feels like they're trying to hide something underneath the rug. And I can't quite figure out what they're trying to hide with all these moves. You know, what like, could it be? There's like almost something going on in that organization that they're trying to overshadow with some big moves, but I can't put my finger on it. Um, um, no pun intended. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Um, but let's get, let's get, all right, let's get back to the players. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I, that's a, I, I wish it would be joke about that. That's yeah. Don't do that. Um, I love the Mark Andre flurry move. So you guys know, you know, I lived in Pittsburgh for about five years. Um, I'm a Steelers fan. I'm a Penguins fan, you know, by, by default, by being a second, um, you know, second city for me. So I love Marc-Andre Fleury. And I think that Hawks fans are, they're, they're going to absolutely fall in love with this guy. He is always a fan favorite wherever he goes. He is probably the nicest guy in all of hockey. Um, fun story. I actually met him in Pittsburgh when I was walking through like a mall in, in Pittsburgh and I was wearing a Blackhawks t-shirt and I ran into him with his daughter and I was like, Hey, like, don't mean to bug you, but like, love, love you, man. Like you're awesome. Like, you know, you're a great goalie, like appreciate everything you do for the Penguins. Nicest guy. He was just like, I'm like, I don't want to like, you know, make a big scene. Cause I know you're like shopping and he's like, no, it's cool. And he was kind of like sinking down a little bit. And I was like, I was like, Oh shit. Like, I just realized I'm wearing a Hawk shirt in front of you. And I was like, I'm from Chicago, just so you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, he started laughing and he was like, he's like, it's all good. They're a great team, great organization winning, you know, he's like, they, are you they win a lot. Are you taking the credit? Are you, did you plant I'm, the seed I'm five years ago? Seed. I did. I said, they are a great organization, Marc-Andre Fleury. So in 2021, when you uh, get traded to Vegas, <laughs> which you won't know in the future, you'll eventually get traded to Chicago and you know, you're going to debate it, but, but don't. So I I'm taking full credit for that. Um, you, I sir. love the move though. I mean, he's, he's older, you know, he's an older goalie. And I think like he's, he's definitely seasoned. He has that playoff experience. Um, he, He's won three cups, you know, he's, he definitely has, knows what it's like to play that deep into the playoffs. And I think it also, what it does is it benefits Lankanen. It gives him more time to grow and develop. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know yet if he's going to be the goalie of the future. And I don't think they know that yet. I think they thought Colin Delia was going to be their goalie of the future. And then they had Lankanen skate out there and he proved a lot of us wrong and he played pretty well last year. Um, so I think it, it gives him a great mentor. It gives him time to split some time with the veteran goalie, which is now this is going to be a strength for the Hawks. You know, last year it was one of their Achilles right behind their defense and they added a number one defenseman. You know, they added his brother, 
<laughs> they also added another defenseman coming off injury who had been pretty good. He's a defensive minded defenseman um, who's good on the kill and he's good on uh, five on five. So I'm pretty excited about these moves so far. I mean, they did a good job of shoring up their, their blue line and they did a good job of shoring up their goal, their goaltending. Um, you know, for depth, I don't think was ever anything that I was too concerned about. I think that they did a great job of drafting. They've proven that they can draft and develop or even find these guys in the KHL or OHL or, um, you know, any of the European leagues. You know, we had Panarin. That was a great find. Kubelik, great find. I think they've proven they can do that. So I wasn't too concerned with the four depth. depth. I am on the fence about Tyler Johnson. I like the move but I don't know if I love it. I think they could have kept Suter at a more affordable deal, which would have kept us under the cap more because I think the problem now is they're going to face some really big cap issues all over again. They just got rid of Duncan Keith's big salary. They just got rid of Seabrook's big salary. And then you said, you know what they said? They said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it again. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do it again. Let's just throw another great big salary onto our payroll. Yeah, and then when especially when you uh threw the all the big money at Seth Jones right. as well. I mean, I I don't really know what what Bowman's doing over there because that was the reason why the Hawks got broken up in the first place was because all those big contracts kicked in and they couldn't afford anyone. So we all we all complained about how the Corey Crawford deal was kind of holding the Hawks cap back for those past few years, and we get it off the books and make some headway. And now, like like you said, we're right back in it now with this deal. And then Seth Jones, I, I, I don't know, really know what, what they're going to be able to do now. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is I think they, they gambled on a defenseman that, and let's, let's also put this in perspective. It is really hard in hockey to find a number one defenseman. There are yeah. not many of them. There's just, there's not, you know, so they are taking a gamble on a guy that is coming off two bad years with Columbus and you can go either way. There's going to be pundits that say that he's coming off two bad years because Columbus was garbage and he just played with bad talent around him. But then there's also going to be analytic, you know, analytic guys that are going to dive deeper and say, you know what? He regressed on five on five. Well, the other defensemen around him didn't. And they're going to say that a lot of his decline was due to him. So Again, is it because of his regression or is it just because of like the, the mental side of it? We often forget in sports, right? You're playing on a bad team. You're playing about around bad talent. You're having to do a lot of the work as a number one defenseman. Maybe he just wasn't feeling it, which is also not a great thing because you want your, your guys to be all, all in hundred percent all the time. But, you know, I think they're taking a big gamble here, but it's also, it's one that it's going to go either way. It's going to pay off. He's going to be our Duncan Keith for the future, or he's going to be our, Brent Seabrook, you know, towards the back half, not, not the good Brent Seabrook, the one that was old and couldn't get up the ice anymore. Yeah. So it's, I think this is paving the way. And, and I do want to say this, you know, with all you, I think it's paving the way that we're realizing that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze are most likely not going to be with us beyond this year or mm -hmm. the year after. So I think this is like, we have to start coming to that realization that Jonathan Taze may come back from, you know, his time off and realizing, you know, his, you know, his time off the ice from his medical history, he might not be the same player. He might be great because he took some time off and he had all those miles, but also there's two years left of Kane and they might just go for it all this year and try to make a run. 
And if they don't, they might just dump Kane's salary because they can still get something for him. So I think that's really what this is, what's going on right now with the Blackhawks. Yeah. I really don't blame them for being in win now mode. And obviously it's kind of fishy. Like John mentioned, like all the stories coming out and then they kind of, kind of changed the narrative, but we were complaining for a long time that their goaltending and their defense was a big Trash. problem and they addressed it. And what I liked about the moves, specifically the Mark Andre Fleury and the Tyler Johnson moves, they didn't just sign good guys. They signed battle tested guys, guys that are ready to win and know how to win in the playoffs. And you pair them with Taves and Kane. And this is a good veteran team. Now it, it kind of switched where last year in the, or the COVID year where they made the playoffs, you know, kind of haphazardly, but they're like, Oh, well, they're a young team and stuff like that. That's not the case this year. These guys know how to win. And as long as Mark Andre Fleury stays healthy, I think he gives us a shot of winning every game and every series because he's that good. Um, the Tyler Johnson move I did like for the same reason. He just, he's scrappy as hell, man. He just fights. He knows how to play in the playoffs. It's one of those guys that it, it's almost like a young, you know, like the Shaws or, you know, the, the AJ Pruszynski's where like you want these type of guys on your team. And um I'm just excited. I, who would have thought we'd be talking about the Bulls and Blackhawks in the middle of August and, and we White Sox fans are in the middle of a, you know, hopefully a deep playoff playoff run, but I'm excited for basketball and hockey to start because who knows, man, you just don't know. I'd rather them, you know, go for broke now with, like you said, Taves and Kane and the salary cap stuff. I am always of the opinion I'd rather worry about them being over the salary cap than complaining that we're not spending enough money because we've seen the both sides of that scenario, you know, with Jerry Reinsdorf and stuff like that, where obviously you got to be smart about it. And the Blackhawks haven't shown that in the past, but I'd rather them just say, fuck it, let's go for broke for the next year or two, because after that, it might be dark for a while. So question to you guys with, like I said, Doc and Taves back, all the additions, defense seems to be short. Are we a playoff team? Are we, are we, are we outside looking in or are we a bottom tier playoff team now? Or are we, are, are we back to 2013? No, I think this is a, they're, they're going to be a six through eight seed. I think. Yeah. I'll, I don't think they're going to be high end seed, but I think they will be good enough. And I just wanted to say something too, like to Peter's point, like, I don't think we're going to get into that realm again where we're, we're talking dark ages, you know, like we're they're going for broke now. And if it doesn't work this year, then they're going to have to rebuild all over again. I think with, again, they're setting ourselves up to lose Kane and Ortiz beyond this because they're going to have to pay cat. They're going to have to pay doc. Um, they're going to have to pay Kubelik. They're going to have to pay um, Strom if they want to move forward with him. So they're going to have to play these young guys, but I don't think, the future is bleak even if it doesn't work this year i think they have enough young talent and they drafted pretty well over the last like few years as well they still got ian mitchell they still got boden who's going to you know come up in the blue line as well they've got young defensemen that can you know come up here i'm in the dark again but uh <laughs> yeah i think the future still is bright even even if they can't make it work this year all right so john you mentioned them and and that was a point i wanted to make because we all are very excited for Kirby Doc, and he's obviously coming off an injury. 
we really I'm really excited for him to see if he takes that next step because he's shown that he could be a stud in this league. And now he's got veteran players around him. He's got better play players around him. So I think it's going to be a very telling season for Kirby Doc. I'm expecting big things. I think we all are. Um, I just hope for some reason, I don't want to call it like, obviously it's not like a sophomore slump or anything like that, but coming off of injury, you just never know how, uh, you know, like ice rust or whatever. Hopefully he shows up because we're expecting big things from him. He's he's that's going to be your captain. That's going to be your captain of the future. Once Taze is gone, that is going to be your captain. The kid can play. He can skate. His mitts are nasty, just filthy mitts. I mean, the things he could do with the puck stick handling he's big you know he can get up and down the ice i mean this this kid can play um and he's a great passer i mean this guy is like everything that you want your centers to be it's so hard to again we talked about finding like a number one defenseman how hard that is finding a number one center is equally as hard and i think the hawks did it again and honestly i'm again i'm impressed by the drafting when it comes to centers and forwards they're they're in tune with that (laughs) defense is another story because it's something we always need. They draft it and then they trade it. <laughs> and it's like, I have no idea like what they're doing on the, on the blue line, but as far as like centers and forwards, they've got it down, man. And I think doc, he's the future. He's going to be, again, he's going to have the C on his, on his chest. Yes. So exciting stuff from the Hawks. All right. Moving on to more good news here. The bears are back. Training camp opened up last week. We are guys five Sundays away from football and we got college football back. So preseason NFL starting up. So from now on until Super Bowl Sunday, we got football is back, baby. Get them fantasy rosters fired up. Let's get it all, all on the, on the table, man. Cause the best time of the year is when training camp starts. You won't find a bigger football fan than I am. I was shocked that the Steelers and Cowboys are playing on Thursday. This Thursday, we get football this Thursday. That's crazy. Like, Hall of Fame game, baby. I'm excited, man. And obviously, we're all excited for what the possibilities of Justin Fields will be. We, I don't think we've been, John, you haven't been on the podcast since the, the draft, correct? I have not. So I'll let you start it off because we've we've waxed poetic already about it. Uh, before, How are you before, before you go, John, I want to yeah. say we'll start with some bad news before some good news. Oh, here. my God. Here we go, Jason. No, no, no. And it's just that, unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers returned to Green Bay. Him, <laughs> him and the Packers, they they worked out all their marital issues. Um, looks like he'll be a free agent after maybe this season or next. Who, this yeah. year doesn't really who knows at that point but uh our 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 hope can only go so far our prayer our thoughts and prayers can only take us so far and he did he did come back I was really looking forward to watching Khalil Mack body slam the boat Blake Bortles into the into the frozen tundra but that's gonna have to wait for another another time um but that's that's okay because Justin Fields is gonna make Rodgers look like a fucking red shirt quarterback. Cause I don't know about you guys, but I've been watching these training camp reports and I got to say everything coming out is that Justin Fields is commanding this offense. He's throwing some nice passes down deep. Looks like he's got a good deep ball. Nick Foles might be traded fingers crossed, get that motherfucker out of town. And I just said, I'm, I'm ready, baby. Strap me up. I got my jerseys ready. 
I was ready for John to wax poetic about Justin Fields. Go ahead. And you had to you had to bring up the boogeyman up north. You, oh, you just, Aaron Rodgers. I started the yeah, bad with that. I started the badgers with the good. So now now John. I wasn't ready to Lord, talk about Lord, it's El, fine. Floor is El yours. Cucuy. I can go with this because Aaron Rodgers, long hair, don't care. Because you know what? We got the red missile, baby. Andy Dalton, baby. He's going to throw for 30 touchdowns. Turn the lights off. Aiden. Turn the lights off, Dan. <laughs> uh, I'm calling it right now. Justin Fields starts week four. Okay. Week four, Justin Fields will be. I'm going to go field. with. I'm going to go with that. The thing I've been preaching about for the past few years of Bears starters need to play more in the preseason is actually going to happen. And then Nick Foles is going to get hurt and Justin Fields is starting week one. That's my prediction. That's a bold prediction. I, so, I, you know, I think everything I'm hearing, if, if Andy Dalton is healthy, they're going to keep, they're going to start him. And I think yeah, like a lot of yeah. it is just, it's fear-based. They, they can't afford to mess up here. They can't afford to mess up Justin Fields. They just can't because they don't survive this. And, and they meaning Pace and, and Nagy. They don't survive this. If they mess up Justin Fields early and often, they're gone. There's no hope. They're gone. And I don't know if they're going to get another job in the NFL. And maybe they will because the NFL is super forgiving and they'll find like coordinator jobs somewhere down the line or QB you know, QB uh, coach, you know, for Nagy or something down the road, which would make no sense. But, you know, look at uh, Adam Gase. He found a couple jobs after the Bears and I'm I sure he'll you. find another one past this, you know. So, you know. NFL loves, uh, they love old white guys. I'll just say that. So <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll continue to find their jobs, but you know, I think, I think it's going to be about week four. And the reason why I say is they're going to give Dalton his chance. They're going to give his chance. They're going to slowly string along fields and let him learn the offense, which I think is the right thing to do. If you look, if you look back at Patrick Mahomes and I'm not saying fields will be Mahomes, but they brought him along slowly. He started, you know, I think the last couple games of the year, um, you know, after Alex Smith really kind of held down the fort, I envision that's probably what they want right now is Dalton to basically just manage, manage games. They, I don't think they're, I don't think they really think they're going to contend this year. I I'm sure they're saying it, but I don't think that they truly believe that they're going to contend this year. And it's, it's un unfortunate because it's just another wasted year of the defense, just getting older, but you know, I think if it gets to that point where Dalton is maybe throwing 180 yards a game, you know, one touchdown, one pick, you know, he's like, you know, like 20 for like 47, you know, and they're just slinging the ball over the place and Nagy's not running the ball like he says he's going to do this year. I think that's when they make the switch, but you know, I, I'm excited for fields. I know you guys didn't have me on the show. I was like pumped. I was messaging you guys. I bought my fields Jersey the night of, I was, I was all in baby. I said, give me that number one Jersey. I'm hoping this is his number and they confirm it. It was already bought. So, uh, thankfully they confirmed his number was going to be number one after I made the purchase, but I'm all in, I'm all in on Justin Fields. And I, I think they finally did it right. But, but I think they're also going to take their time with it. They, they can't mess up. Yeah. So Jason, you mentioned preseason, John, we got you at week four. Um, I'm laying out my best case scenario and that's Andy Dalton coming out Sunday night against the Rams and just laying the biggest egg possible because I really don't want to see Justin Fields start against the Rams on the road week one. Um, but then after that, we've got 
the Bears at home against the Bengals, and then the Bears against the Browns and the Bears against the Lions. That's three winnable games that you can start Justin Fields. So what I want to see happen is him starting either week two or week three to get him ready because we've talked about it in the past. The schedule gets brutal past week five where we got the Packers, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Packers again. It's just like murderer's row. Um, the Ravens are in there. Um, and to see a rookie quarterback start in and around those games, I'd rather him see the him start in like the underbelly of the teams, you know, with the Bengals and the Browns and the Lions and get his feet wet before they throw him into the fire. Oh, we're going with the Justin Fields, Joe Burrows matchup here. I'm down for that. I mean, that's winnable game for him. So hopefully in, in my best case scenario, it's week two or week three at the latest. Otherwise, if that's the case and, and we're losing these games, you might as well sit them out for a while and we don't see them till past the tough part of the season. Johnny, what do you got him? Uh, he's probably going to pull the same thing that he did with, um, with Trubisky. It's going to be like week three, halftime. And you see fields come out and everybody's going to be excited. And if that's the go. case, just do it of, uh, week two halftime at the home opener. That's what I feel. I feel it's yeah. going to be something kind of similar to, cause I mean, it's like how we all said, like it, this is Nagy's hot seat right now. I mean, pace isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, pace so, bought himself some time. Right. So I, I just think that, you know, if Andy Dalton like screws up like bad, um, it's going to be his hot seat. He's going to be like, yeah, I, I, I just got to go with, with, with everybody's saying right now that pretty much with, with field. So I think it'll be during, it's either two, two or three. Um, I'm just going to call it. It's probably going to be during like a halftime change and he's just going to take it from there. Yeah. So from what I've read so far, uh, defenses is there. So they finally all decided to show up. Thank you. A couple of minor injuries, nothing that looks too nagging. Uh, don't know why Javon Wims is still on the team. Motherfucker should have been cut, but Anthony Miller is gone. So cut Thank a little God. baggage. Yeah. Uh, I think we might've missed that last week or might've mentioned it. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Wims is still on this team. I don't know why, but at least from all I, everything that I'm reading from the beat reporters is that his, his passes are looking pretty damn good and he's pretty much outperforming Andy Dalton at this point. So, I mean, it's only practice. We He did a, a couple occasions light up the Bears' defense from what I read, but I'm excited for that that first preseason game. I mean, obviously, Dalton's going to get, like, the first quarter or whatever. I don't think I've ever been more excited for the first game of preseason in my entire life because I want I, when that second quarter comes or whatever it's going to be, you know, at one half or something – I think that's probably going to be like the highest rated preseason game that it's going to, that the bears fans are ever going to watch. So let's also keep one thing in mind too. Um, quick nugget. Tevin Jenkins still hasn't practiced. Tevin Jenkins <laughs> still hasn't practiced. It's five practices in still hasn't been on the field. Who's your left tackle? Who's protecting these guys? So it's a great question. It's, it's something to think about too, just because of, you know, we're talking through health. We're saying if Andy, you know, Dalton stays healthy, 
if, you know, Justin Fields comes on the field, like who's protecting these guys backside because, you know, week one, you're having Aaron Donald, uh, Leonard Floyd terrorizing that left side. Who so, thought we'd say that fucking Leonard F- fucking Floyd. Goddamn fucking bust turns out to be fucking good. And turns out I don't know. That's, that's, really just a bear, that's just a bears coaching issue right don't, there. Don't worry. We got Robert Quinn. Ugh. Yeah. Apparently his Ugh. sister's a better athlete than he ever will be. Yeah. Shout out the sister, right? Gold medal. Yeah. But can you put a little of that athleticism into, into him? He just took the money and sat in his ass. Oh, well. All right. But yes, bears are back. Good stuff. I like this. Yes. Bulls are back. Hawks, Hawks are, are back. back. Bears, Bears are, are back. back. And now we go to the yin and the yang of the evening. We got some good. We got some bad. I will, maybe we'll start with the bad because the bad leads to the Sox good. So the Cubs decided to go full fire sale. KB, gone. Javi, gone. Rizzo, gone. Kimbrough, gone. Tempora, I'm calling him Tempora because I refuse to say his name is Ryan Tempera. He's always just going to be Tempora to me. Gone. Who else am I missing? Marisnik. Big names. Jake Marisnik was gone. Oh, too. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in the back, you got Nikki Two Sticks and Cody Hoyer and then a bunch of other guys that may or may not work out. So, John, how you feeling after the Cubs fire sale here? Dark days or hope hope springs eternal. So I am going to be the voice of reason for Cubs fans. Um, as tough as it was, I definitely went through a mourning period, you know, like any Cubs fan, because it's an end of the era. It was the official closing of the window. I think we all knew the window was closing. We knew the door was shutting, you know, all the euphemisms and analogies you want to use like we knew that this day was coming and it was a matter of time um you know the cubs had offered reportedly you know 75 80 million dollar deal to rizzo he turned it down well you think that Um, was too high or too low i think it was appropriate okay i do i think for what rizzo is right now he's a 32 year old first baseman it's a position that's not in high demand um i think you can find first baseman mostly anywhere um And he's also, you know, he's getting older and he's had back issues, which, you know, we know in sports, once you have back issues, that's it. Like those don't go away. That's what you're facing the rest of your career. So I think it was an appropriate offer for him. And and I think it's hard for him to realize it because he was greatly underpaid, um, you know, his whole career as a cub. So I think that he, this was his chance to get paid out and it wasn't coming his way. And I think it was just a matter of time. And I think with KB, He's not a $300 million player, in my opinion. I think if he can stay healthy, then maybe, yes, we can have that discussion because his numbers show that he's an MVP caliber player. He gets on base a ton. He can drive and runs. He can run the bases. He's versatile. He can play all over the field. But the, the, the problem is, is can he stay healthy? You know, and I just, I don't know that. We, none of us know that. And Javi Bias is not a $200 million player. Like as much as we love Javi Baez in Chicago, you know, the slick glove, the El Mago stuff, you know, the magician, like all the stuff he does on the field, that's just electrifying and amazing. And Tatis, like, you know, we love that stuff, but realistically, like if you're just putting your head over heart, he's not a $200 million player. The dude hits 230, 240 
He strikes out a ton. He swings at everything. Um, and when he connects, it's amazing. It's fireworks, but <laughs> he misses a lot. So, you know, I think this, this was, a day, you know, we, they talked about the day of reckoning, right. For a long time that this was coming, that we were going to, you know, see the end of this era and, and it was time. And I, I understand that part, you know, and I, I get it. They got something for these guys, you know, they were going to walk in free agent anyways, you might as well get something for them. They're, they weren't going anywhere this year. The Cubs were not going to make the playoffs this year. Um, I don't care what anybody says. And I think at the beginning of the year when they were really hot and they were coming out the gates, they were in first place. The thing I said, and I don't think I ever got onto the podcast as they were in first place, but the things I said to fellow Cubs fans, it's not sustainable. They had a good yeah. bullpen, but the, but the starting rotation was awful. I mean, they really just like, this is a makeshift starting rotation. Like if Kyle Hendricks is your ace, great. I think Kyle Hendricks is probably the most underrated pitcher in baseball, but beyond that, you know, Zach Davies, he's Kyle. He's a poor man's Kyle Hendricks. Trevor Williams wasn't good enough to resign with the pirates, you know, Jake Arietta. There's a reason why oh they let God. him go the first what time. The fuck happened to him? You know, and, and they, man, how, how that came around full circle, right. Where Cubs fans were, super pissed that we signed, you know, Darvish over Arietta, And now we're wishing we had you yeah. Darvish back because they probably would have been in better contention if they had you Darvish. Um, so that, that rotation was just garbage to begin with. I mean, it was, you could see it in the numbers. You could see it in the analytics. Like if you want to look at FIP, you want to look at like the, you know, all those things, like it was a disaster. It was a ticking time bomb. You know, and the bullpen was really good, but that's also not sustainable either to run, you know, to para and wick and, um, you know, Kimbrel and, and all the other guys and Chafin out there, you know, 162 games a year, you don't see relievers do that, obviously. So it wasn't realistic to think that our bullpen was going to be able to shut down after five innings every game. So I think that, you know, we knew that this wasn't going to be, well, some of us knew this wasn't going to be sustainable and it wasn't, and it proved it wasn't. So it was time. And it's super sad because again, it's an end of an era, but I think that they made some pretty good trades here. I, I'm very hopeful for the prospects they got back. I, I text y'all and I said, Nick Madrigal um, in, in the text chain, not knowing that's who they actually were targeting. I was hoping that that's who they were targeting because he is, in my opinion, he's not a superstar, but he is a solid baseball player. He is exactly what the Cubs have not had over the last decade. And that's a second baseman who makes contact. They just haven't had that. I, uh, I read somewhere that I think it was last season. If this season or last season, if they had magic at all with the start of the season, he would have been the, the Cubs best hitter. 100%. But, and it's not even a surprise. Yeah. Um, I I'm, I'm actually, you know, trying to f put myself in your shoes because right now, the Sox windows opening and I know that day is going to come where we have to get rid of Eloy and Anderson and Mankata and Lou Bob and all that. And I hope it doesn't come anytime soon, but I know that day eventually is going to come. So I can't imagine really Cubs fans are going through because obviously you guys, you know, put your, put your heart and soul into the team after winning the world series and only getting one out of it seems kind of like a failure after coming so close all those years up and after the world series um my question to you just a quick one what do you, what was more heartbreaking 
for you was watching them all get traded or that or watching KB Rizzo and Baez hit a home run in their debut? I'll say this. I, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. I love those guys. Those guys made memories for me that I never thought I was going to experience in my lifetime. So I'm not mad at them. I wish them nothing but the best. I was excited to see them. I'm hoping that their fans embrace them and, um, you know, they, they take them in as, as we did. And, you know, New York fans certainly don't deserve Javi Baez or Anthony Rizzo as people. Um, you know, but I think that, um, you know, I, I'm excited for him. I thought that it was, it was great. I mean, it was a little heart wrenching cause it's like, shit, why couldn't y'all done this for us? Because maybe we wouldn't be here, but I think they're, they're all, all going to be in settings where they're going to be successful. You know, they, they're surrounded by players that will allow them to be themselves and, and hit at the rate that they can hit and not have to worry about all the pressure that they've been feeling in Chicago. Um, it's sad, but I also think that, you know, you may say like, yeah, there are a lot of Cubs fans that are upset that they didn't win more titles. And I get that, but let's also put this into perspective. I've been a Cubs fan my whole life, you know, it's 36 years of being a Cubs fan. Um, and I have pictures to prove me at infancy in Cubs gear. So, you know, and, and, and Juan knows this too, you know, um, he knows I, I've been a Cubs fan my whole life. I've been dedicated to this team. This is the greatest run the Cubs have ever had in my lifetime and most people's lifetimes. We made the playoffs years and years in a row. We've won multiple divisions within this timeline. We've made multiple NLCSs and we won a World Series, which hasn't been won in 108 years. So I get that there's the side that we should be depressed and like we should think that maybe we should have won more. And I get that. And I and I would have hoped for more, but if you really think about it, most of us were just saying, just give me one, just give me one in my lifetime. And, and we got that one. So not that I, I don't want them to stop going back to trying to win again. I'm just saying, I'm happy with the result of everything. I wish more would have happened. And just as far as like what you're saying, as far as being like worrying about the Sox seeing that timeline, the thing the Sox did different is they signed these guys to long-term deals as young players. So they're going to be affordable contracts for the years to come. My only thing would be like, as a Sox fan is worrying, are they going to have the same, are they going to have the same like trajectory as Cubs players did where we thought this was a dynasty. We're going to see all these young kids. They're just peaking and they want a title and they're only going to get better. You know, is the same thing going to, ha going to happen to some of these Sox players where like, you know, Lou Bob or, or Eloy, are they going to come down to earth or are they going to keep that up upwards trajectory? So Right. I mean, we'll, we'll find out, you know, and, yeah. but I think the good thing is they're affordable right now for y'all, you know, they're affordable. They're going to be here for years. So whether they're good or bad, they're not going to kill your salary cap. They're not going to be 200, $300 million play, players like a Jason Hayward. That is just, it destroyed what we can do in the future. You don't have that. And I think that's, that's something that can be promising for you guys that even if they hit or don't, it's just, it's not going to kill you. Right. Johnny. I just have a uh, quick question here. Um, is it, um, I know we were, for us, we were all like maybe two, three years old when this happened or during this, probably pretty much this genre, um, era, but is the Cubs kind of similar to what the 85 Bears are? Like that, like they were supposed to win multiple championships with that that team, that the, the core that they had and, and all that, and they only won one. 
it's the same thing like you know with the cubs like you know they everybody was you know you know was projecting that the cubs were going to win more than one world series i mean went they went to what four straight nlcs am i correct on that um like would you would you compare that um you know the cubs and 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 the bears in in the 80s i wouldn't and, and the reason why i wouldn't is because baseball is so different than the nfl you know, baseball, it's such a long season. There's so many variables that can happen. There's so many health issues that can happen. And granted, I know that exists in football. And that, that was the reason why the 85 Bears didn't do anything beyond 85. You know, McMahon getting hurt in 86. You know, injuries happening in oh, 84. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, always. But I think it's just different in baseball. I think it's, it's less rare to see teams win multiple world series or even just make the world series in general you know like i think it happens more in football where you can see like you know the 49ers of of the late 80s you know or the buffalo bills or the broncos you know cowboys or packers where you're seeing them make multiple you know even kfc you know kansas city now where we're seeing them make multiple you know championship games i think it's different so because of the season because of the nature of baseball because of the amount of variables that come into it um you know, and I think guys are, there's more chance for inconsistency in baseball than there is in football. Um, because I mean, you're hitting a round ball with a round bat alone. I mean, that's just hard enough as it is. Right. So I think it's, it's not the same. I think that they had more success than the 85 bears did. If you really want to look at just factual evidence, making the NLCS, it was three years in a row. They made it in 15, 16 and 17, um, you know, they were, in co- they were competing every single year. So I, I wouldn't chalk it up to being the same as 85. Is it a disappointment? Sure. I mean, we would have wanted more and I think that we should have expected more, but I also think that baseball is just, it's just so tough. It's such a hard sport to like repeat and it doesn't happen often, you know, since the, the Yankees of like the twenties, you know, or maybe the nineties too. Uh, so before we, before we start talking some socks here, I have a personal beef with Cubs fans and not so much you in general, John, but, and this isn't my bum of the week. This is just normal. I got a gripe with, I got a lot of grievances with you Cubs fans. And now you're going to hear about them after Rizzo got traded. I heard a lot of Cubs fans saying they're going to be Yankees fans for the rest of the season. And I'm just like, there is no circumstance whatsoever where I don't care who gets traded. You can root for the Yankees. Yeah, that's dumb. I would never. Well, I'm also a Red Sox fan, so um, I would never root for the Yankees anyway. But <laughs> I'm rooting for Rizzo as the player, but I wouldn't root for the Yankees. Like if he hits a home run and they lose seven to one, I'm happy. Okay, that's that's before, fair enough. Before we get on to the White Sox, I mean, we've been wanting to have you on, John, for a long time, and I've been wanting to pick your brain about a couple of things with the Cubs. Uh, the first thing was, and my mother-in-law is a gigantic Cubs fan. And, and she, like you had mentioned before, fans were, I had never seen, we've seen fire sales and multiple teams. We've seen the white sacks, white socks, white flag sale. Um, I had never seen like the depressing scenes of like Rizzo walking with his family in the outfield. And then the Chris Bryant dugout where he's just sitting there taking it all in. And then he got the phone call and him hugging David Ross, like even me as a non-Cubs fan, impartial, like 
those were like brutal scenes to see. Like you had mentioned what once was like a possible dynasty finally got get breaking down. My question was like, how much anger? Because I don't see enough anger, at least not from my point of view, to the ownership. Um, I feel like the Cubs are at a point, or at least they should have been at a point where they don't have to rebuild. They should be retooling instead of rebuilding. Um, I just don't see a scenario why the, why the Cubs can't be the Dodgers or even the Yankees. And I know the Yankees haven't won many World Series in the last decade or two, but they're not in situations where they have to rebuild. They retool. They find ways to sign players and they find ways like most baseball teams are better with Anthony Rizzo on the team. Most baseball teams are better with Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Craig Krimble and all these players on the team. I, I just don't see the anger and, and maybe it's because I, I don't follow all of like, you know, the Cubs Twitter and stuff like that. But I just feel like people should be borderline rioting at the Ricketts at this point, instead of like, Oh, well we won one. And that was great. And now I'm sad, but at least we won one. And I feel like you guys should be there every year. Well, John, I know you want to bum Ricketts, so we'll let you do that in a second. But if you want to follow up with yeah. Peter's thing. Yeah, no, definitely. So definitely mad at management. And, and it's not necessarily like how – it's not – the amount of money they're spending. Cause I think they, they've proven that they can spend money. I think it's just how stupidly they've spent money in the past. Um, you know, and again, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bombard them with like hatred over the Hayward deal, because I think when that happened, a lot of people thought like this was the missing piece that was going to make us such, it was going to make us murder murderers row. When we added Jason Hayward, the thought was like, this guy is going to give us on base. He's going to hit for power he's got some speed on the bases. This guy's going to make us a murderer's in defense. Yeah. Multiple yeah. gold glove winner, but just on an offensive like set, like this was going to make us murderers row. So they've proven that they can spend money. It's just, it didn't work out in those senses. I think where I'm mad is that they didn't, they cried poor over the last two years, instead of retooling during that time, instead of trying to like trade, you know, realizing that, Hey, like maybe we're not going to sign Javi bias. And again, this kills me to say it because I love Javi bias, but realizing it again, head, you know, head over heart, right. Realizing maybe Javi bias, isn't going to be that, um, you know, that he's going to be a gold glove shortstop. And this year he definitely wasn't, I mean, 1920 errors, he's leading the NL in errors, but he's not going to be this guy. That's going to be like this perennial silver slugger shortstop. You know, and maybe this is the height of his like ceiling and we can get the most capital for him right now. And this is our chance to retool. Now, the difference between us and the Dodgers and the Red Sox and teams like that, that retool and have the money is that they can draft. They can draft, they can scout, they can find pitching. Dodgers have always been able to find pitching, you know, whether it's, you know, Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May, you know, and then they can go out and spend money on a Trevor Bauer, you know, that rapist or whatever you want to you know call them but you know they can they, they they can find the money at this point because they have already built a farm system that is going to supplement their big league club consistently the cubs have been pretty good at finding positional players 
But where they've stalled is that they can't find that developmental piece like in between for those hitters where they're coming from, you know, triple A or double A and they're moving up to the big club. Either they're moving too fast or they're not development, you know, developing them at the right spots. They're stalling. So they haven't been able to sustain, sustain in that way. And I think a key like player that I can point to is Ian Happ. You know, he was a top 10 pick in the NFL, you know, in the NFL and the MLB draft. Um, and he hasn't been able to develop and be a consistent hitter. You can point to Kyle Schwarber. He was the number four pick in the, in the draft that he was picked in and started out hot and weren't able to continue to work with him and develop his skill set. And he just became a slugger. He's somebody who like was supposed to be on base, make contact and just became a slugger. So there's some missing pieces here where I think they need to really take a deep dive into their, um, their scouting department. They need to actually develop pitching because we still haven't, you know, we have um, Alzale who's been a, a pretty nice find, but he's a middle rotation guy. He's not an ace. Um, they have Marquez who's coming up in the farm that has the potential to be an ace because he can hit triple digits on his fastball. But again, just don't know if they can development, you know, develop him at that point. So I think there's just, there's too many differences between us and the Dodgers to like compare us. The wallets are the same. And yes, I'm super pissed that our wallets are not being used as much as the Dodgers or, you know, the Red Sox or any of these other big league clubs, but there's, there's too many misses, missing pieces in between. You can't just build by buying. And I think the Cubs of the nineties and the Cubs of the two thousands proved that. You can't just go out and spend all this money and just hope that the, these guys are going to be a winning ball club. You have to draft, you have to develop and they just, they've done it, but they haven't done it a hundred percent. So this is where the big misses are. And this is where I'm kind of mad at management. Let me jumping, jumping Jack again. Um, this is where I'm at, at, at management. And yes, I, I'm mad at they're not spending because they're crying poor because the Cubs are not poor. Let, let's call it for what it is. They're not poor. He's a billionaire. The Ricketts are billionaires. They're making a ton of money. I don't care if a pandemic has dwindled their, you know, nine, you know, $9 billion to 6 billion. They're still making a ton of money. So that's where I'm mad, but it's not necessarily mad at like where they're spending it all the time. They're not chip. All right. So now for some socks are, well, they never really went away. Socks are still here and they're stronger than ever now. So Eloy, he's back. back. And then he got hurt. But he'll be back. Yeah. Lou Bob, he's in AAA now. He'll be I back. Did, maybe it's back. Maybe Tuesday. It could be tomorrow. I'm hearing. I'm hearing Kansas City could be Lou Bob coming back here. Um, would be great to open up that homestand with Eloy and Lou Bob in the lineup. I would be ecstatic. Um, Socks trade for Cesar Hernandez, great glove, got some pop in the bat. They shore up the bullpen. What do we say in the offseat? Like what do we say in leading up to the trade line? They needed a second baseman. They needed two bullpen arms. Rick Hahn must listen to the bum cast. He must be a P1 listener because that's exactly what they did. They got Ryan Tempera, Tempura. They got, and I was, I was not a fan of it at first, but fuck it. I drank the Kool-Aid. Give me the, give me the wingman. Give me the arm wing. Yeah. Keg Krimble. Love it. Craig Kimbrell, Rick Hahn gets it done. You were nuts for that, by the way. Yeah. But, you know, only giving up Madrigal Madrigal and Cody Hoyer, who has had a down year by his standards, um, and a couple minor league players 
Very, very good moves by Rick Hahn. They still they didn't have to part with any of their young guy, young core guys besides Madrigal. So they kept Vaughn, they kept Kopeck, they still have Crochet. They didn't touch any of their top prospects in the minor league system. So they got reinforcements coming up on the way. And I will say I was actually a f- huge fan, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I was a huge fan of Nikki two, two strikes getting traded because I think now that could potentially open the door for Jake Berger to be your everyday second baseman in Hold 2022. On. No. Hold on. I know Johnny, you've been jumping at the bit to talk about um, Nick Madrigal in the trade, but Jason, I have to stop you for a second with the Jake Berger because you might be the only person in all of Chicago still talking about Jake Berger at second base. Andrew Vaughn got to start at second and he's never played it in his life. Andrew Vaughn is a different type of athlete than Jake Berger. Andrew Vaughn has shown that he could play multiple positions. And I'm not saying he's the next Chris Bryant or anything, but he's that type of player where it's uncanny to like be able to pick up multiple positions at the professional level. Jake Berger, we talked about this, had more errors in the infield at minor league than any professional major league infielder in the major leagues. So you can't just toss a player in and ask him to be a professional second baseman. Like I know he's, he's got a great bat and we've been waiting for burger for a long time. It's he's not the answer at second base. Cesar Hernandez gold glove winner. He's got pop in his bat. He's by all accounts, just as good as Nick Madrigal. And I know he hit Nick Madrigal hits for a much better average, but we've seen his defense and that's where I was happy with the trade was because in April and May, Nick Madrigal was punting the ball all over the infield and in playoff if play in playoff situations, you need gold glovers at second base. You need that type of reliable defense. And that's why I was so excited for Cesar Hernandez because he shores up a big weakness for the White Sox. Louis Garcia just flat out isn't the answer. And and we've been defending him as a role player. That's what he is. He's a role player. He's a position filler when needed. But Cesar Hernandez is a gold glove winning second baseman. And he leads the Whites. Or I mean, he's second on the White Sox in home runs. That's, That's all I could ask for, basically. So... That's what I was excited about. And I know John, you, you wanted to make a, make a point and Johnny, I'm, I'm excited. I I'm interested to see what Johnny says about Nick Madrigal because I know you were a huge fan. Yeah. I, I'll just say this real quick. Cause I know Johnny wants to talk about Madrigal, but I thought that was a great move by the White Sox to fill, you know, to shore up second base, because honestly, there aren't, they're in the bottom 20, I think, where are they? 27, 28th in defense. Yeah. They're terrible. And yeah. They're, they're awful at defense, but this, this is like what's so important in the playoffs. You know, it's going to be pitching, it's going to be bullpen, and it's going to be defense. So now you've shored up your defense, and I hope for y'all's sake, they don't put Eloy out in the outfield again. He just bats DH, and that's they're, it. They're don't going put, to. I hope they don't, because honestly, they need they need a more defensive-minded outfielders out there right now. Because at this point, they can't tell Eloy, like, Hey, ease, if you see a fly ball, like going over your head, ease off, don't run. Cause when it comes to playoff baseball, you need to shore up that defense. And I thought that trade for their second baseman was really smart. I mean, honestly, to shore up their infield defense, amazing. And it's only going to make your pitching better. 
And Tapura is a um, tempura, as you call him. Ryan Tapera is a ground, more of a ground ball pitcher because of a sinker and a slider. So that's going to help your bullpen. Kimbrell can definitely induce some ground balls with that nasty slurve. Um, I, I would say that you short up your defense, which is super important in the playoffs. And then your bullpen, by far, best in baseball now. Best back end of the, the bullpen that I, I could say in baseball with Kimbrell, Tapera, you know, Tapera and um, um, Kendrick's now. Holy crap. I mean, that's literally the game's over in the, in the sixth inning. Like if, if, if they don't have a lead by the sixth, that team's in trouble. And I think that's something to be really excited about as Sox fans, that your bullpen is, is set up to shut down in the playoffs and they short up their defense with that trade. Love that trade. I thought it was great. All right, Johnny, give us your thoughts on Nikki. Um, so when everybody was asking me, you know, about the trades and stuff like that, I, I like who we got. I, I, I shouldn't have said that I didn't like the trade um, of who we got. Uh, I think obviously, you know, with Nick Madrigal being down for the rest of the season, we definitely needed a second baseman. And now, you know, obviously I was okay with Cesar Hernandez. I didn't know quite too much about him other than the gold glove um, that Peter mentioned to me. And, you know, he was, I mean, he's been hitting dingers. I mean, he's tied with what Jose Obreu and with the White Sox right now. Um, so I, I liked everything about, you know, the trades, Kimball uh, um, and um, uh, Tapera. Uh, the only thing was is that I, that um, I guess everybody, you know, I heard Steve Stone say this. I heard some other people say this as well, too, that, you know, Nick Madrigal is not going to be a star. He's not going to be who people think he, he's going to be. And I highly disagree with that. This guy, since he came up, he's been hitting nothing but 300. He's a great hitter. I'm actually, I was very pissed. They, they actually wanted to trade, um, Cody Horror and uh, Crochet. That was something that was on the table, but I guess they wanted Magical, and obviously that's who the Sox gave up. Um, yes, did he have shaky defense in the first uh, beginning of the season? Yeah. Um, but so did everybody else in the White Sox as well, too. I mean, they all look like shit. Sometimes they still look like shit. Um, but, yeah, with Cesar Hernandez um, currently right now as second baseman, it does help out the, the infield. Um right now with, with Madrigal gone, obviously now traded, but um, with him in that lineup, I, I just thought that he was a good, you know, I mean, with all the, with the way the Sox are built, I thought he was going to be there for the long haul, especially for him being a number. I think he was, he was it's slated he was going to be like either number nine or number two um, in the lineup, but still, I mean, it was just, I think that could have been a very, very good, um, team with magical you know as in the long haul but you know people are saying that he's not going to be the superstar i highly disagree with that um i think he's going to be a real good player i told all cubs fans that they got to steal with, with with magical obviously we we got you know pretty a damn good uh um bullpen now but i think with magical that 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 one really hurt me i didn't I, at first i was really you know when we traded lynn for um for Dane Dunning, obviously, me, uh, Jason, you know, we were both kind of like, you know, shocked and we were a little upset because of at the time what was happening with that. We know we had control over Dunning uh, versus Lynn, but um, man, that magical one, man, I, I just think that he's going to be a really good player. Um, is he going to be like um, Altuve? I mean, probably not average wise. Um, I think he can be. I mean, he the dude never strikes out, 
I mean, he's always hitting for average as far as he's, he's came up so far. Uh, so I'm going to be really um, interesting how his, his career goes, but I, I think the Cubs really got a good deal with uh, Madrigal going, going over there. Um, but yeah, I was just a little upset by it. Um, I, I know, you know, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do with Cesar Hernandez. I, I don't know if we're going to pick up his option or, or whatever, but um I was just, to me, I, I, I just thought that Madrigal was going to be here for the long haul. And when they traded him and I heard that, I was just, I was just really upset. So the one thing I want to remind people, and I, and I, I know I mentioned that because I saw it on Twitter, you weren't the only one that was upset. I, the Sox don't make this trade if Nick Madrigal isn't injured. You know, the White Sox are in win now mode. And if Nick Madrigal is in the lineup, he's still in Chicago, but the Dane Dunning move, the Nick Madrigal move, these are moves that good teams make when they're fighting and trying to win a World Series. And it's not like, I don't want to start looking in the future because our window is now. And maybe we're ahead of schedule, but we're in win now mode. And having a gold glove second baseman in a possible, you know, deep, playoff run is something invaluable. And I know Nick Madrigal has a bright, bright future, but he wasn't going to help us this year. And like we're in win now mode. So I, I, that's the, that's the reason where I don't blame Rick Hahn at all because he's throwing everything at this season and I can't ask for anything more than that. I'm going to tell you why this was a good trade. And it was a good trade for both teams. And I, I know Johnny's already putting his head down. He don't want to hear it. But I'm telling you that this was a great trade because let's put this in perspective. And, and let's use the same city, right? Let's take it back to 2016. The Cubs are on the brink of going for, you know, a World Series run, right? And Peter, you're right. It's win now mode. They have to, you don't know what, you don't know what your window is. You don't know how long it's going to be and take that page from the Cubs book, right? You don't know how long it's going to be. You don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know how long it's going to be good for. So when you have your shot and I looked up a text too, by the way, I text Johnny back on May 17th. And I said, the Sox are going to run away with this division. It's not going to be, it's not going to be close. So I just wanted to point that out by the way, too. Sox, they're in. They're, they're going to win this division. It's, not, it's a no-brainer. Now they're playing for the World Series. They're not playing to get in the playoffs. They're playing for a World Series. So, again, we're taking it back to 2016. The Cubs were on the brink of, you know, they're being the number one seed in the NL at that time. They were running away with their division. They're in win-now mode. They went after Aroldis Chapman. They gave up Glaber Torres, okay? Their number one prospect, Glaber Torres, so if you want to put it in perspective, and this is for half of a year of Chapman, not even half a year. This is for the back half of the year of Chapman, right? They gave their number one prospect for that chance to go for it all, to solidify their bullpen and to win a title. And thankfully it worked out for them that year because if it didn't, holy crap, that would have been a mess, right? The Sox gave up Madrigal, who again, I know you're super hyped about him and I don't think he's going to be and I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, man. I'm not realistic. Like, I hope that he's a superstar. I hope that he's a perennial all-star. I think he's going to be a nice player. He's going to hit for average, like you said, which again, this is baseball in 2021. This is not baseball in the nineties. Average doesn't play a big deal anymore, right? It's on base percentage. 
It's what you do when you're on base, how many runs you could score. Um, it's all these other analytical things, right? So I think he's a nice player, but he's not Glaber Torres. And you not only do you have Kimbrell for this year, but you have you also have a team option for next year. So you can actually re-up Kimbrell for another year, which makes you more dangerous for not just this year, but next year too. So your bullpen is deep for two years in a row. So I, I don't think that it was a reach. I don't think that they overpaid. I think it was actually a pretty fair trade on both sides, you know, because we weren't going to use Kimbrell. The Cubs weren't, they had no need for Kimbrell. They're not winning anything this year or next year. They don't need a closer. So trade them off, get a piece that's actually going to make you successful in the future. I, I thought it was a great trade for trade for both sides, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, agree. I, I understand. I understand the whole thing about um, winning now when, when the whole thing with that happened with Dane Dunning, it took me a day to just be like, all right, I'm all in for the Lance Lynn thing. Um, if we're going to go on that route, I mean, I heard when they got Adam Frazier, I heard when they got Escobar, they got him pretty much for nothing. If you're going to get a second baseman, you know, how come you couldn't just go, get, go get him instead and then still keep magical. Um, I mean, I don't know what the trade trade details were if we were trying to go over that route. I mean, I heard there was rumors going on that. Um, I'm not I'm not upset about having Cesar Hernandez. I'm not upset about any of the players that the Sox got. Um, I'm just saying that if there was, you know, and maybe maybe I'm just, you know, in my mind, I'm just thinking that, you know, maybe we could have possibly got Anna Frazier. Maybe we could have possibly got Escobar and still kept magical. Cause you know, like I said, he's, he's hurt now. We need a win now. I totally get that. I understand that 100%. But if we were, if they were giving up uh, Anna Frazier for pennies, same thing with Escobar, that's where my route was, is that how come we couldn't go that route and still kept magical uh, for, for the, for the next season. Um, but like I said, I don't know what, uh, if the Sox were in, in that and maybe they were trying to go after maybe a Kopech or something like that. And that, that was something a little bit higher. And they, they, they said, you know, you could pound uh, sand here. Um, but I, I just felt like they, they could have went a different route with this, but I mean, it is what it is, John, you're going to have a good second baseman for years to come. Um, I'm not upset about the players that we have. I'm, I'm all in for, for what's going on right now. I just, as a magical fan, I've just been, I'm just sad to see him leave. You, you got to give up something to get something though. Let's be realistic. You can't just give up, you know, crochet back into the bullpen for Kimbrel. That's just not realistic. And I think again, good player, but, and, and I agree. I think he'll be a good second baseman for the future. And I think he'll play years, but this isn't also Glaber Torres. That's and that's my piece. I, I I don't think he was a top prospect. Yeah, I I think I think, I think it was. Fair. I think Theo probably oversold on on that for for a half or like you said two no. month rental. And he had to, but he had to because you won a World Series. But they, yeah. again, but you, win, but you won a World if, Series. If we win a World Series this year, I mean, I don't care if Nick Madrigal turns out to be a Hall of Famer. Like we won the World Series. Yeah. That's all no, you can you're, ask. No, me. you're you're right. You're right. It doesn't matter because you have another year of Kimbrel, so you can right still exactly. Win and that's and that's what I like so. about this trade too. I think so, it's a win. I think it's a win-win because, um, yeah, we we got that extra year of Kimbrel. So, so yeah. that's the thing I wanted to mention, Jason. Um, the flexibility of having Kimbrel for another year. That's something in the previous podcast. I wasn't. I was just assuming he was a rental player, and the same thing with Caesar Hernandez. This gives Rick Hahn flexibility. 
where we have a second baseman, not only this for this playoff run, but for next year too. And the same exactly. thing with Kimbrell. And if it doesn't work out, we could trade Kimbrell or we don't know what happens. Like even if Hendricks gets hurt, we could trade Hendricks. And now Kimbrell's our closer. The flexibility is there. And that's why I think the, everything Rick Hahn has done so far, especially the last six months or so, everything, it's been hit. The Lance Lynn thing, we were skeptical about it at first because of the possibility of what Dane Dunning could be. But Lance Lynn has been a stud. He, we've all fell, fallen in love with Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn's a forever White Sox yeah. because of his style and his, his attitude. And he's just fucking throwing heat. Um, that, drew, we all, that dude drinks we all, PBRs for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we all love him. And, and I'm just excited because I, I just want to give Rick Hahn the benefit of the doubt because Cesar Hand is, like we said, and, and now Craig Kimbrell, our bullpen. And I know Tempura, Tempera, Tapera hasn't been what we expected, but it's early. I'm not rushing to judgment and stuff like that. But having Hendricks, Kimbrell, Kopech, and then Tapura, and then we still, Crochet and Bummer have been up and down all year, but their potential is sky high. And if that's the case, like realistically, John, you mentioned it, our starters in the playoffs they have to go what five, five and a half innings. And it's almost lights out. I mean, that's a nice luxury to have. Yep. Um, I want to say one more thing before I wrap up the baseball talk here. Another thing, even if you guys gave me shit for it, even if Jake Berger doesn't turn out to be everyday second baseman, the Sox got their number one draft pick, the Corey Seager clone. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, but he's Colton Montgomery. Yes. Thank you. Um, you know, shortstop that could project potentially be second baseman. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we cleared that hole up now. Now he seems more of a, he has a path to the majors. And if he has, you know, a great minor league season, like some of the Sox prospects of the past years have been where they've only been down there for like a year, year and a half. Then they're, then they're on the big league roster. That's just another smart move by, by Rick. And another reason why I'm a fan of that trade. Um, but we've, we've been running, really long here today so it's been a hell of a week yeah we had a lot to talk about everybody's back so i want to wrap it up with our what a bums and mvps but let's just keep it nice and short just give us your bum and give us a quick reason why 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 they're your bum and your mvb um i'll, I'll go real quick my what a bum of the week the women's national soccer team what the fuck are you doing you you lose the canada for the first time in 20 years you should have four-peated but I don't know. They just looked off this whole Olympic whole tournament. tournament. They've been and, off the whole tournament. And I don't know if it's just age catching up to some of them, but I, I did not expect that, that they were going to get bounced by Canada. So they have a fairly new coach. Um, he's been there for, I believe, a year and a half. This was the first big major tournament. Um, and shout out my sister. She's a huge United States women's national team fan. Well, I mean, we all are, but um, from what I read, they just had a grueling, grueling camp to prepare for the Olympics. I think they overprepared. They were gassed. They were tired. They didn't look, they looked off. Um, this whole tournament, he was switching lineups. He just didn't find anything. And it wasn't just one player that was off. The whole team was in a funk. And I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because they're very, very, very good. And they're still the best team in women's soccer. But it just, I mean, like you said, it was bad. It was bad. And my MVB is Rick Hahn. I mean, 
We've been Sox fan. He finally listened to the Sox Nation. We said we needed a second baseman and two bullpen arms, and he went and got it. So, Rick Hahn, you beautiful son of a bitch, thank you for making our dreams come true. Uh, John, go ahead. What do you got? My bum is easy, man. What a bum. It's got to be uh, Tom Ricketts, man. I mean, he is functioning as a uh, lower market team right now. Um, and I think he just could have positioned himself better where we wouldn't have had to meet these crossroads right now where we're trading off, you know, the three best hitters on our lineup. So I think I would say Tom Ricketts and my MVB. I'm going to go Simone Biles, man. You know, I don't want to get too overly political here, but um, I think it's super tough, like for most people to understand, like, you know, my wife was a gymnast, um, you know, before, you know, we obviously were married, but that's a grueling sport. Like if you actually really look into what they have to do to train, it is unbelievable what they have to do. And for her to step up at the age of 24, where most of these gymnasts are super young and, you know, they're successful at such a young age because physically they're, they haven't been fully developed and they could do some like crazy things. She really stepped up to the plate and said like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Like, I just, I mentally can't do it. And I'm, I'm just super like amazed that somebody can step up and like be in the limelight and say like, I'm just not doing this. And especially like with the, uh, the gymnast teams, like of the past of like all the sexual abuse and stuff like that, you know, I think, that's kind of bringing more of that to light right now too. So I'm, I'm just super impressed by Simone Biles, like at age 24, still being able to do what she does, dominate that sport and then say, Nope, just not doing it. Oh, and she is decided. And she did say she's going to compete in the finals for the balance beam. So maybe cool. she could walk out of Tokyo with a gold still. So fingers she's crossed that. Yeah. yeah fingers that's crossed the that, she, that she, that's that the she does right, it. That's the goal right there. I mean, well, I'll, if, I'll be rooting for her. Yeah, if you see her and she does she does shit that men do and better than what men do. Yeah. And she gets penalized for it. I think that is just it's unbelievable. All right, Johnny, who you got? Uh my what a bum is uh Ben Verna Vernlander. Yes, fuck that guy. Um yeah. He uh th- this week he came out with the MLB power rankings and he left off the White Sox and he later apologized like I think the same day he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I don't want to upset any of the White Sox fans. You're how can you miss the White Sox right now? I mean, you, you got the Yankees at number eight right now, and they've been playing against Miami and now they're, they're losing Baltimore nine to one right now. Keep that in mind uh, to the worst team in the league right now. Um, I mean, I just don't understand. It's like it's like a reoccurring joke or a reoccurring thing. ESPN, Ben Verlander. How do you? How, does everybody just forget about the White Sox? Is that like a thing? Is this is this like a running joke that maybe us Sox fans don't know about? Like, I don't get it. Um, I think it's just very disrespectful, to, to be honest, that you're not having them on there. I'm not just saying it as a Sox fan. I'm just saying, like, they are one of the best teams in the league right now. And not to leave them off there, they're leading the division by nine games. Granted, the AL Century is not the the, the hardest team uh, um, division in the league. But still, by nine by the nine games, I mean, that's still pretty impressive. Um, so, Bevan Verlander, you are my what a bum. And... Um, I don't know if Peter might have the same uh, MVP as me as well too. Don't you but dare! I mean, you better change it. 
Yep, I got the United States uh, national team. Um, I'll let I'll let you I'll let you I'll let you do it. Um, but um, I'm yes. very proud of them. Gold Cup champions. Yes. All right, Peter, then take us home. All right, so I'll start with my bum, and then I'll I'll wax poetic about the men's national team for a second. But my bum, and I hate to do it because we've been waiting for him to be on the show forever. But it's cousin John. Cousin John, I appreciate you changing your schedule for recording purposes, but you sold us a bill of girl, goods on Ryan Tapura. And I said we weren't going to rush to judgment, but also this guy's stumped so far. <laughs> you texted us the day the trade happened, and he's like, yes, awesome. Like, you know, high-pressure situations. This guy's a stud, and he's laid an egg for the White Sox. So, unfortunately, John, I love you. But you sold us a bill. Of, you sold us a bill of goods, man. <laughs> I love how you have me on, and then you name me your bum of the week. So it's uh, <laughs> it's it's. I appreciate that. That's you know. I love how you treat me. That's great. And and then obviously my my MVPs, Johnny. You mentioned it. The United States men's national team, um, gold cup champions, second time beating Mexico in what five weeks. Um, shout out Landon, my son, the United States men's national team is undefeated since, uh, Landon has been bored. So, so it's all good things. I, I can't no, but I honestly, I can't tell you how proud I am of that team. This was the United States C team. It was mostly MLS players and a couple European players, but none of their stars, not one of their, you know, real like world cup qualifying squad and they beat Mexico's a team. And I know it was in Las Vegas, but whenever Mexico and the United States play either in Mexico or in the United States, it's a home game for Mexico. Um, the crowds are rowdy. It's a crazy atmosphere. And these guys stepped up and they played one of the better games I've seen a United States men's national team play in a long time. And I know it was zero, zero and it was, for some casual fans, it was boring soccer, but these guys were playing as a team. They were playing for one another. And that's a credit to Craig, Greg Berhalter, their coach. I was skeptical about this guy. Um, I thought some of his moves um, leading up to both the, um, the tournament of uh, nations and now the gold cup were skeptical. All he's done is one. So I can't, I can't complain. So shout out the United States men's national team. Um, awesome. I can't, I can't wait for World Cup qualifying because there's no reason now we don't qualify to, for the World Cup. Anything but that is a failure. Agreed. And Olympics as well next time. They better not, they better not miss qualification for the Olympics as well. All right. That's going to wrap up the podcast. But before we go, I just want to say thank you for everyone who has participated in our White Sox 1960 scoreboard giveaway. We had a lot of good um, engagement on Twitter. We're doing the same contest again this week on our Instagram page. So if you haven't seen our socials already, go over to our Instagram, follow us on Insta, tag a couple friends, and you're automatically entered to win a 1960 replica White Sox scoreboard that was a giveaway a couple weeks ago at the park. Um, and Congratulations to our first winner, Tyler uh, Manigold, for um, winning the round one on Twitter. I uh, want to thank you, Cousin John, for coming on and giving us your Hawks and your Cubs 
takes because we definitely needed some of that after this crazy, crazy weekend that was Chicago sports. Uh, probably going to be another crazy weekend because we still got NBA free agency training camps about the getting the full gear now with some put some games and the pads are back on. So we're going to be back in a, next week and I'm going to try to have a special guest for the for the bumcast next week. I don't want to break any news right now. I still got to get it working, but we will make sure we catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Good night, Javi. Bye, Javi. Mm-hmm.